Well, good Sunday afternoon. Welcome to Connecting the Dots. We're going to be talking about eugenics 2.0 with a friend of ours from the UK, Kate Chemerani. Uh, she is going to be joining us to talk about what's been going on with the uh, the whole uh, COVID vaccine program internationally and all the things that they're starting to discover uh, with the vaccines that are bad. We've got, seriously, in this country, people don't realize this is part of a much bigger eugenics program that is designed to start reducing our population in a big way. And uh, it's been part of the plan for a long time. They've publicly announced that they're gonna do this in very clandestine ways, but now they're starting to really show us what they're up to. We've got to expose these people for what they are. And uh, America's got to wake up to the reality of the world we're really living in. And believe me, it is not anything that people want to be part of. Thumper, I sent you a couple of uh, short videos. There was one by a medical doctor uh, McMillan, I believe his name was, that talked about how the increase in deaths, unexplained deaths, has been accelerating. I'll tell you what, let's do the Laura Ingram one uh, first, because that's pretty snappy, and it, uh, it just happened. She just, she just put that up recently, and it's funny because it's almost identical to the newsletter and the announcement that I sent out talking about how they're trying to hide all this stuff. And yet at the same time, it's all coming forward right now. Okay, here comes Laura. Yeah. And tonight, and we begin the hour with a scandal of monumental significance. Finally, with Republicans in charge of the House, the rocks are being lifted on the COVID cover-up. And the rot that we see underneath is what we warned you about long ago. Rank corruption at the heart of our federal response. Now, the former CDC director under Trump, Dr. Robert Redfield, was questioned about Anthony Fauci's mad scramble to conceal the role he and others played with greenlighting the funding to the Wuhan lab in China. So what did Redfield think of the paper that Fauci pressured scientists to write back in February 2020 that would conclude ultimately that COVID most likely did not escape from a lab? This whole approach that was taken, it's antithetical to science. Thank you. Science has debate and they squashed any debate. Do you think that the paper does hide the truth? I think it's an inaccurate paper that basically was part of a narrative that they were creating. Remember, this pandemic did not start in January at the seafood market. We now know there was infections all the way back into September. This was a narrative that was decided that they were going to say this came from the wet market and they were going to do everything they could to support it to negate any discussion about the possibility that this came from a laboratory. But wait a second, wait a second. Anthony Fauci insisted under oath that the gain-of-function research, the riskiest research you can do on a virus, wasn't being done at the Wuhan lab with our help. 
Dr. Fauci was affirmatively told in, told in an email that uh, NIAID had a monetary relationship with the Wuhan uh, Institute through uh, EcoHealth Alliance. He, he was told this in January 27th of 2020. Do you think that Dr. Fauci intentionally lied under oath to Senator Paul when he vehemently denied NIH's funding of gain-of-function research? I think there's no doubt that NIH was funding gain-of-function research. Is it likely that American tax dollars funded the gain-of-function research that created this virus? I think it did not only from NIH, but from the State Department, USAID, and from DOD. <clears throat> okay, do you realize what this all means? Well, not surprisingly, Redfield told the committee that he found himself shut out of key calls early on in the pandemic. And that was when Fauci and company realized that Redfield was not going to toe the party line. Why do you think you were excluded from those calls? I, because it was, I was told to me that uh, they wanted a single narrative and that I obviously had a different point of view. All about the science. Well, these sanctimonious camera hounds who flanked Trump day after day in the White House briefing room, these people who were pushed, pushing for these damaging lockdowns and smearing good doctors and researchers who knew the truth about inexpensive antiviral treatments, they did more than grandstand on camera, though, these people. Those people destroyed public trust in our public health officials and our entire public health system. So why weren't Fauci, his boss, Francis Collins, and their useful idiot, Deborah Burks, at all interested in discussing what renowned experts were saying about when and how COVID spread? What explains their stunning lack of curiosity? In September, of 2019, three things happened in that lab. One is they deleted the sequences. Mm -hmm. It was highly irregular. Second thing they did was they changed the command and control of the lab from the civilian control to the military control. Highly unusual. And the third thing they did, which I think is really telling, is they let a contractor redo the ventilation system in that laboratory. There must be accountability here. There must be full transparency on the money we funneled to Wuhan, yeah, all courtesy of you, the U.S. taxpayers. If our own public health officials had a direct or indirect involvement in the research that led to this global pandemic, Merrick Garland, our attorney general, the entire DOJ should be ready to impanel a grand jury. There should be indictments. Oh, no, but remember, he thinks the biggest threat facing the American people are guys like that so-called QAnon shaman they threw in jail. He's the big threat. The big money in medical research from pharma and from the federal government, it has corrupted huge swaths of our scientific community, and it must stop. Uh, the, the scientific community uh, is, is very afraid to speak up on political issues. And I think the reason is that um, the government grants are handed out through this system of peer, mm -hmm. uh, peer review committees. Right. And so you don't, want, you don't want any single scientist on your peer review committee to vote against you. This means that they cannot be relied upon in the way that I think we would like them to, to be independent and forthright and call it as they see it. For revealing how the sausage is made, by the way, that was the former uh, medical editor of the New York Times, for how the whole scientific hierarchy cares more about their grants than the health of the American people, Nicholas Wade, you just uh, saw there, was attacked by committee Democrats. 
inviting someone with discredited and dangerous views like Mr. Ways to testify on the origins of this pandemic, which has disproportionately harmed communities of color, is not responsible and credible oversight. For a race of people who have suffered, endured, and survived three centuries of slavery, oppression, deprivation, degradation, I'm absolutely offended that you would have the opportunity to take this platform and to add anything of significance to it. But Mr. Wade left out another motivating factor. Well, these figures are smearing him, of course. This is just a textbook, as we, we've talked about so much on the Ingram angle. More than just the relationship with China that Fauci, et cetera, were protecting, as we found out back in February 2020, what was utmost was of utmost importance to Fauci? Watch. I think early on in the outbreak, it was clear that there was some muddling of information. But over the last several weeks, the Chinese authorities have really been very explicit that they were going to not tolerate any misinformation going out. I'm surprised that you would say that, given what we know well, about yeah, China's well, pattern of lying about critical issues, Dr. But, Fauci. The Chinese scientists we've dealt with, I've dealt with myself personally for years, if not decades. I have faith that they are not distorting things. So China <laughs> will not let any misinformation go out. He's reassuring the American public on China's behalf in that interview I did with him in February 2020. The money, the power, the fame, the media's complicity with all of this, and the dangerous and lucrative obsession that so many had in the medical community with this gain-of-function research, that was all more important to all of these people, including Fauci, than coming clean about important facts at every stage of a global pandemic. Okay. <laughs> Kate, good to see you. Thank you I so much a, for having me on. Uh, we were just running a little uh, clip there of uh, Laura Ingram talking about how uh, the, the whole Fauci discourse about the Wuhan labs and all the rest, but we've got so much information to be talking about because are, are the, the, the incidence of unexplained deaths and additional uh, myocarditis and uh, blood clotting and all the rest that's going on right now is part of a much bigger program that this vaccine program has been promoting. And all I can say is that it's pretty obvious at this point that this really is a plan to reduce population. Uh, it's part of a eugenics program, and they can try to paper it over and lie about it and everything else, but the fact is, is uh, unexplained deaths are up by over 40% over the last two years. And uh, I know that that's an area that you've been dealing with a lot in the UK. So uh, welcome to the program, Kate. Thank you for being our guest. And uh, please tell our listeners a little bit about some of the things that you've been working on. Well, you're absolutely right. The uh, Office of National Statistics is showing that our deaths actually, um, I think it was in the last few weeks, whereas it would normally be 8,000 for this time of year, it actually matched August 2020 at 20,000. 
Um, everybody is focusing on the the COVID shot, the COVID shot and the myocarditis. And we have Dr. Mulhotra, who was actually with the government. And now he's telling everyone to take it. And now he's saying, don't take it. And everybody's looking at these people. But what people aren't looking at is the real genocide that is happening the other end, which is the elderly. And that is phenomenal. And this is where you see that the real democide, genocide is occurring. And you can match all through history in times of austerity, but what came first, the chicken or the egg? They create the austerity. And then they practiced euthanasia. They did it in the Great Depression in America. Uh, even the Spartans did it. The Spartans did it with their babies. And we have euthanasia and eugenics are partners in crime. And we, we've now seen um, genomics and epigenetics are really code names for eugenics. And this is actually what we're seeing. And this is being missed. And, um, you know, when you're looking to the left, you can bet that they're shafting you up the rear end on the right. And um, so what we're actually seeing, and, and I, I, I have, I, we've mapped this. I've been working with a researcher. Um, we found out where the money was, where the, where the drug came from, the drug of choice. Um, how I, I, I am a nurse of 36 years, an independent, trained and qualified nurse prescriber. So I understand drugs. I understand synergistic values. I understand concomitant effects. And it's very, very interesting. I would go as far as to say it was very cleverly put together. Now, there were um, way before the vaccines, way before the vaccines, we see huge deaths. And um, would, would you like me to go through this for you? Because yes, it's please do. Mm -hmm. please So I've do. mapped it all out. I've called this medical crimes in tyrannical times. <laughs> because that's exactly where we're at. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is in my lifetime now. I'm going to cover my lifetime, but I'm going to intersperse it so that people can see, your viewers, actually that the devil never changes the script. If you really want to know what's coming... You'll have eugenics, you'll have euthanasia, you'll have famine, you'll have plague, pandemic, you'll have war, and then it's rinse and repeat. And you can go right back to Nostradamus in the early 1600s, and they did exactly the same thing. So we have to go back to um, the October of 2016 in the UK. And we are, if you like, a flagship. What they do here is a pathfinder for everywhere else. So in October 2016, Public Health England, on the 18th, 19th and 20th of October, penned a document. Now, Jeremy Hunt, who, has a, who is now our Chancellor of the Exchequer, was Health Secretary at that time, and he signed this document off. This document is called Exercise Cygnus. And because it was mentioned in the House of Lords, which I'm going to refer from now on to the House of Frauds, I won't call it Lords. <laughs> There's only one Lord, um, and that's our Lord and Creator. These are frauds. And in the House of Lords, it was mentioned, therefore it had to go into their library. And someone was listening and happened to get it straight away before it was removed. So we have that document, which I'm more than happy mm -hmm. to forward to you, and you can put it on your site. Now, Jeremy Hunt is now Chancellor of the Exchequer. It's a preparedness document in the event of an Asian respiratory virus. 
2016. So it showed in the UK that we had a lack of intensive care beds. We had a lack of PPE gear, you know, all this gear that they want to run around and frighten mm -hmm. us to death because a virus can't go through the joints um, and lack of oxygen. So if this was a preparedness document showing all those things and someone was being paid pretty pennies for being the preparedness minister, and it was Oliver Letwin, and he is now in the House of Lords, but he was the Minister of Preparedness. So the House of Frauds. Now we saw Lady Moan, uh, Lady Michelle Moan. She's um, she's now in the House of Frauds. And she has taken, during the COVID, £26 million for supplying substandard PPE gear, and it was deemed dangerous. Now, Michelle Moan used to make the Ultima Bra collection, and uh, we'd probably have done better putting those bra cups over our faces than her PPE gear. <laughs> anyway, currently under investigation, Lady Moan is under investigation, and... Um, so, well, I've written my notes here. Maybe we would like a double D cup over our mouths or even a H cup <laughs> over our heads with her bras, which would have been better than her substandard PPE gear. So between 2015 and 2020, there were 10 of these preparedness documents written. 10 in the five years that preceded COVID. And these frauds were getting paid lots of taxpayers' money. Now, when questioned, Oliver Letwin on the BBC Radio 4 in 2022 said, we were focusing on Brexit instead of focusing on the pandemic. You couldn't make this up, could you? So no, exercise, exercise sickness, um, it was. It had 955 people were involved in exercise sickness. Jeremy Hunt, Chancellor of the Exchequer, Oliver Letwin, senior police officers, every single hospital kill, that's the name I call the hospitals now, and we will now refer to the National Health Service as the National Homicide Service. The Department of Health and Social Care and all fraudulent councils who take all of our money from us. Now, Sir Christopher Wormwald authored the report and supplied it to Jeremy Hunt. They all knew about this document. And it states in this document of 2016, Exercise Cygnus, that they will sacrifice the elderly if the National Homicide Service became overwhelmed. Now, I just want to say mm. that there is a document in the USA, which is written, signed by Obama and Obama bin Laden, um, and it's signed by him, and he talks about mercy killing in it. And then you've got Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, she actually bought the Liverpool Care Pathway from the UK, which we're not supposed to use anymore, she liked it so much because you could you could euthanize the patients, even though it's not euthanasia, it's actually pre-planned murder. And uh, they would just not know anything about it. So she took the Liverpool Care Pathway to America. By April 8th of 2020, so we're going on, the NHS was never overwhelmed. The National Homicide Service was never overwhelmed in the pandemic. What we saw 
was dancing nurses on TikTok videos. And I've said it and I'll say it again. We saw that all over the world. And most of those nurses that I saw needed to dance more, break sweat and lose weight. I have never <laughs> seen such a bunch of fat, so-called healthcare professional, a damn disgrace. So by April the 8th, 2020, 25,000 of our elderly had already been moved from the hospital kills into the scare homes, the care homes. And this was confirmed by James Bullion. And he was the president of the Association of Directors of Adult Social Services, DASS. I'm going to put a B in front of that and we'll call it badass. He was a badass. So during the interview, with Sarah Montague on BBC Radio 4 News on April 20, uh, April 8th, he stated, this badass man, James Bullion, that they had already moved, removed all the elderly. So how did he hear about this? He was head of adult social services in Norfolk. Now, all elderly that were moved out of the, out of the hospitals into the scare homes all had blanket do not resuscitates put on them. And they mirrored this in America. Blanket do not resuscitates. Now, in order to put a do not resuscitate on a patient, you have to have the consent of the relatives who have um, power of attorney or the patient if they have capacity. And it has to be discussed. Nobody had it discussed with them. Disabled children were put on this. And as we know in America, because of Grace, Amazing Grace, mm -hmm. um, she was 19 years old and she was systematically murdered. And I've seen the whole time frame and the drugs. So what we had, which came in on March 20th, 2020, no one can argue with this, incidentally. And um, I can argue you under the table because I've got every single government document that has these dates on it. So on the 20th of March, guideline NG159 came in and it lowered the criteria to assassinate our elderly with an end of life assessment. So we have one to nine. Nine means you're terminally ill and you're going to die. Six means that you might um, need help with washing and dressing. You might have had a stroke. You might be blind. You might have a full-time job and be blind. But if you were six, that meant they would put you on an end-of-life pathway because your life not worthy of life. Now, if we go on to March 25th, just five days later, the criteria was lowered to five. And that was classed as mildly frail. Now, this is what's scary. You guys would have all been for the Minsa. You're not looking, you know, uh, and me too. We'd have all mm -hmm. been out. So what um, number five meant was you might be able to do your gardening, but, but not heavy gardening. You couldn't like dig out some tree roots. You might mow your garden and you can still go up and down the stairs, but you're not allowed to live if you're number five. You're going to be put straight on the end-of-life pathway, NG159. And now at the same time, anyone who was diagnosed with mild dementia, that might mean that they've still got a full-time job, but they're suffering from memory loss. As soon as they're diagnosed with mild dementia, they are classified as number five on the clinical frailty score, regardless of how fit they are. One gentleman had just climbed Scarfell Pike, this huge, enormous hike, um, up the uh, north of England and back down it again, but they murdered him regardless because he'd just been diagnosed with dementia. 
At this time on the mainstream media, that's in the TV the, uh, and the newspapers, there was lots of scaremongering. Airports were still open. So we're being told that this is deadly. It's going to lurk behind doors. It's going to be limbo dancing under doors, under plastic plexiglass in banks. Doesn't go around it or over it. No, 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 no. Um, we were told all of this. However, the airports were still open and we still had Cheltenham Gold Cup. That's horse raiding, horse racing and the Midlands Grand, Nas Grand National. Now, that is for all those pompous asses who like to go horse racing with one's big hat on and lots of watch <laughs> and put some money on the on the bobos because one might have investment in these horses. And these were all your... You know, people who really think that they would, they've got private health care. So they still had these horse racing open and they were all there shoulder to shoulder with their top hats, drinking their champers. And international rugby matches were still on because, of course, they were exempt as well. It didn't get them. And England against Italy. Now, England against Italy. So the Italians came in and Italy came over here when they had so many deaths in that month ahead. And actually, Italy had midazolam trucks, trucks with midazolam on them that were delivering so much midazolam that they had to run at the weekends because they were getting through it as they cared, killed all of their elderly in the care homes, but they still had the rugby on. Now, some reports stated that the elderly in Italy were actually just put into rooms and left to die. They weren't even attended to. And I don't know whether you, I'll get on to, you know, dehydration and um, starvation. It's horrific. I would go as far as to say, actually, that um, this was projected as a plague. Um, don't touch them or you'll catch it. And they weren't allowed burials or funerals, no access to the dying, no viewings, just bag, tag and bring out your dead. That was basically what was happening. So by April 3rd, we welcomed in NG163, another guideline. And that was a really nice one. It was morphine and midazolam. And nurses and doctors were told not to concern themselves with the fact that the patient um, would have more suppression of their breathing because of these drugs. Don't worry about that. They even nursed them face down. And one doctor went down a ward and the person who tipped us off on this, who was walking behind him, he went end of life, end of life, end of life, end of life, end of life. And actually, it made me think of the scene from one of the, was it Schindler's List, where the Nazi just came in and just shot them in the hospital beds? Well, it's exactly the same. Whether you are, you've got a bullet in the gun or you've got a syringe, if what is in it is going to cause death, it's all the same. So between February the 6th and 2020, and April 19th, 2020, there was a study and it showed that 20,133 patients were studied and only 41% were discharged alive. 26% had already died and 33% were still in hospital. We don't know what happened to them. They said that one in four were dying of COVID. They were telling us that one in four people were dying of COVID. They were liars. It wasn't one in four. It was the poor people that ended up in the hospitals. So the actual figure of how many were actually dying of COVID was 0.19%. It wasn't one in four of the population. The official record 
of everything. This was on Hansard. Hansard is our official record of everything, and it was set and recorded in Parliament, the Commons, and the House of Lords, the House of Frauds. So February 6th to April 19th, 2020, the study was the largest in Europe. And now we bring in Jonathan Van Tam. And he was one of the lead researchers and he formerly worked for Roche, GlaxoSmithKline and Deventus Pasteur. And he fun and it was funded, this, this largest study that he was involved in was funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Every one of these deaths was put down as COVID. Flu disappeared. Flu disappeared, as you know. I saw Dr. Anthony Fauci just last week visiting a black neighborhood, and they were coming out and saying, no, we don't want it. You know, it's just like flu. And he went, no, 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 there was mm -hmm. no flu then. What, flu went on a, a, a sabbatical? Sorry, that's my chihuahua. Um, so flu disappeared. And in a recent study, all four types of pneumonia were put down as COVID. Rafi! Mm -hmm. So officially, official. this was quite interesting now. The official first COVID death was announced in April as being on March the 6th. The very first death in the UK was March 6th. So how did those die before March the 6th, from February the 6th in that study? So they were doing a study of COVID deaths before the even first one was recorded. So then we had the NG163 came in on April 3rd. So these patients, did they die on the Liverpool care path? Now we have a lady called Julia Neuberger, and she said that we were to phase out the Liverpool care pathway in 2016, phase it out. I mean, can you imagine all those poor people that were in the phase out period? The Liverpool care pathway was where they decided that you were going to die and they took away all food, water and essential medication and they gave you huge doses of um, opioids and benzodiazepines. Interestingly, wow. That was in 2013. Julia Neuberger's husband works at the Chase Business School and his, um, you know, golden uh, chalice is, is pensions. Excuse me a minute. Can you just pick up the dog? Is pensions. And as we know in the UK, the expected, uh, your expected life, how long you're going to live has just suddenly gone down. Mm. The years that you've got to work has gone up. So technically, our pension contribution should go down because if we're living less but working longer, it should go down. No, they've kept it the same. So they're now recouping back lots of money. Ten days ago, there was a report in the House of Lords which was sent to every member of the House of Lords and every MP. And it said, when end-of-life care goes wrong, this was the report. And it was authored by Robert Harris, who worked for the London School of Economics, and the Reverend Linda Rose. So if we look at NG163, anyone with COVID over 65, and then they lowered it by the autumn to over 60, were given 30 milligrams of morphine and 60 milligrams of midazolam. I'm going to say that again. 30 milligrams of morphine and 60 milligrams of midazolam. Now, the execution of Dennis McGuire in the United States of America, he was only given 10 milligrams not 30, uh, 60 milligrams. He was given 10 milligrams of midazolam. These patients were given 60. A Supreme wow. Court, a Supreme Court in Washington, D.C. in 2018 stated 
that that was prolonged torture and it was akin to waterboarding and it caused air hunger, just the 10 milligrams, but we were giving our elderly 60. So the victims, wow. let me tell you how that works. Paralyzes the muscles that move your ribs up and out when you breathe in and your diaphragm goes down, it paralyzes it. So you want to breathe, but you can't. Midazolam is used in anesthesia. It's an amnesiac drug. There was a lady who survived this and she happened to whisper to her husband, they're trying to kill me because she couldn't do anything. She couldn't move. It's been used as a date rape drug because you can't do anything. You can't speak. Wow. You can't move. So let me tell you how that works. You don't know when it's coming. You're injected, but then you can't breathe. Now, if I said to you fellas, okay, in five seconds, you're not going to be able to breathe and I'm going to count you down. What are you going to do? You're going to go, <gasps> these patients got no warning. They got no warning, which is why the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C. in 2018 said it was stated that it was prolonged torture because it took over 15 minutes to die. These patients took 48 hours, some of them wow. longer. So it's not it's not good for executions. Pfizer have actually said that midazolam cannot be sold to be used in executions. Now, in the UK, we have the anti-euthanasia bill, which Anne Winterton was pivotal in signing from 2000. Euthanasia must have consent from the patient, but euthanasia is illegal in the UK. So if you hasten a death in the UK by giving these drugs, it's what? It's premeditated murder. Mm -hmm. So interestingly, the drugs and their effects are beautifully matched. They're beautifully matched what they're using. They're even using fentanyl now. And you're meant to drop your fentanyl dose right down if you use fentanyl with, with midazolam, but they're not. They're also giving remdesivir and the undertakers are saying, well, we know when they've given remdesivir to the patient because the body bags are sloshing. They're so full of fluid. And the way remdesivir, you know, 53% of those in the Ebola trials died when given it. It's the carrying agent for the remdesivir that accumulates in the kidneys. And so the kidneys can't filter. So if you're old or you're on other drugs, you're going to have a less of a filter, a good filter system, your glomerular filtration rate in your kidneys. So you're going to get a buildup of water in your body, in your heart, in your lungs. And what do they call that? COVID pneumonia. They mm -hmm. chose the drugs. Another little caveat, you can't get emergency authorization for a drug if there's another drug that works. And that was the World Health Organization. You had budesonide, which was 33 pounds for a course. And you got over 90% in ITU survived when using that. But no, they used remdesivir, which costs over a thousand pounds a course. And you don't get the survival. So mm -hmm. it causes respiratory failure and cardiac arrest. So this was the other thing that was quite interesting. In end-of-life care, when you go into, um, incidentally, the uh, hospices, which used to have maybe 3 to 5% of the deaths would be in hospices, has suddenly gone up to like 30%. You know, the, I, 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 I'm sorry if you're offended by this. Anybody who listens and goes, you can't say that, Holocaust, you can't say that. No, yes, I can, mm -hmm. because we're looking at this, because since... 2011, we've already matched the Holocaust of how many people allegedly died in that. We are already at the over 6.6 .6 million. So 
at the end of life care, because nurses don't like to hear this and nor the relatives, one of the ways that you know your patient is dying and you are supposed to take into account hydration and nutrition. You're not going to prolong their life. They'll stop drinking, but dying of dehydration is horrific. So you can do a subcut with some fluid. What happens is you get near death, your blood retreats to your main organs, your hands and feet go cold. And then eventually just before death, you stop swallowing your saliva. So as the air comes out erratically, you hear this, which is called the death rattle. The doctors and the nurses don't like it, and nor do the relatives. So they give a drug called hyacin. Now, if you're in intensive care and you're being ventilated because you've had a head injury or whatever, they might give a drug like that or one of those class of drugs because of the, um, the ventilation. They gave hyacin together with the morphine and midazolam and the remdesivir. They gave it all together. Do you know why? I'm going to go as far as to say this is what I think, because they didn't want those around knowing that they were being killed. Mm-hmm. And they didn't just do this in the hospitals and the scare homes. No, 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 no. They did it in the homes of the patients. Uh, we got under the freedom of information that the doctor can, can give authority now and the paramedics just give this bolus drugs. Bob the Builder. Eric, the electrician, Derek, the the dustbin man, anybody under one of the guidance that was prepared to do it was able to give these emergency packs of drugs. So why were they they expecting them to die? Yes, they were. That's why they gave Mm -hmm. the highest scene. So there was no market authorization. So the doctors and the nurses were told, it, it was said in the literature, I'm going to quote this, not to be fearful of giving opioids and benzodiazepines for fear of causing respiratory depression. <laughs> I don't know why they just put a pillow over the patient's face. So remdesivir- That's what they call it, is uh, respiratory depression. Yeah, I'll bet it was when you're knocking somebody's um, hypothalamus to the floor. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. So remdesivir was 2,040 pounds for a course. Mm-hmm. A single vial costs $1 to make, but they charged the UK $390 per vial. Britain was the first to pass it off. June rain of the MHRA passed that off. Now, 53% of those in the Ebola trials that took that died. It's cardiotoxic to the liver, to the kidneys, to the heart. And as I've already said, the undertaker said the body bags were sloshing. They could hear it Mm -hmm. and it was full in the body bags. So on October 25th, 2020, in the Sunday Times and one of our main newspapers, they wrote, the elderly were sacrificed to save the National Homicide Service, the NHS. Now, um, you know, we're told the NHS is the envy of the world. No other country emulates it. I can tell you it's on a par with an Eastern Bloc country. And all these people saying, oh, stay home, protect the NHS. What they don't realize is we have the Anglo-Indian Alliance, which I'll get onto, And that NHS has been bought and paid for by the Indian. I'll come on to that. 54 people senior in the NHS agreed that that had indeed been done. The elderly had been sacrificed. The editor was promptly summoned to number 10 for embarrassing the government. That's a direct quote. Sir Simon Stevens, who was head of NHS England, confirmed that by the autumn of 2020, 90,000 elderly had been removed from the hospitals and into the scare homes. 
93% of those care homes are privately owned. And one of the biggest owners is HC1, which is a rich Arab billionaire whose accounts are in the Cayman Islands. Those care homes were paid £3,300 extra on top of the care home fee per week, per patient, Mm -hmm. and a one-off payment. And they didn't mind when that patient died because they got the one-off patient, one-off payment again for the next patients. So I will go as far as to say, what are we looking at here? Death camps and the ambulances that were moving these patients with the cattle trucks. So the government sent half a billion pounds of taxpayers' money to protect the National Homicide Service, where the nurses danced, the doctors danced on TikTok, claiming they were overwhelmed with empty wards. The Nightingale purpose-built hospitals were empty. They were receiving food parcels. They were receiving discounts, priority shopping. And what were they? They were bribed as they became medical assassins. 9.9 million milligrams of midazolam was ordered and used within nine months on our elderly. And there was a very famous interview on April 20th, 2020, where Luke Evans, and he was the poster boy for this, he was a newbie MP, a member of parliament, Mm. but he was also a general practitioner doctor. He asked what a good death required. And Matt Hancock, our health secretary, they said a syringe driver, some midazolam, and I will add the third piece, a useful idiot, stupid enough to break the law. And they, he was asked, did they have what they needed? And Matt Hancock said yes. And then the second order was put in of 22,000 packs of midazolam. The first order went in in late January. Matt Hancock confirmed this to Dominic Cummings. And the next part is why did we need France's, why did France agree to divert their midazolam and give it to us? I've never known the French mm-hmm. like the Brits. So let me talk about that now. There's a business, a company called Accord Healthcare Limited. One of the directors of that company is called Lord Baron Gadia. He was classed as one of David Cameron's close circle. He was the main contributor to the Tory party. He was also involved in the cash for favours scandal, where one could pay a large sum of money and be privy to information from the prime minister or have court with the prime minister. Lord Baringadia, Indian, also sits as court over the Bank of England. He's the director of a court healthcare limited that supplied this medazolam to Supply Chain Coordination Limited, that Matt Hancock, our health secretary at that time, was the the main shareholder, and he supplied 53% of the drugs to the NHS. Are you seeing that this is just one big dirty trough with all Mm -hmm. these gangsters? So he was the incumbent health secretary at the time, and that is why he was the director of Supply Chain Coordination Limited. Now, when NG163 came out, 11 doctors stated that it must not be used, that it would kill patients, but it was still signed off. And Dr. Carrie Madej told me they had something similar 
in America, which she spoke out about over a decade ago, and she was told it doesn't matter. Very soon, you won't have a say in what patients are given. It's just algorithmic medicine. The doctors will just dole out whatever the AI algorithm says. Now, we have another document, which I will also send you, called the Palliative Care Funding Review of 2011. It's called the Lansley Report, Andrew Lansley. And we have in the UK what is called... Are you ready? A planned tariff incentivized euthanasia point system. Planned tariff incentivized euthanasia point system. What that means is in order for hospitals to get their money in England and Wales to, say, fix the roof or maintain the electrics, they have to euthanize last year 1,642.5 patients per day in England and Wales alone, minimum, in order to get their money. If they went below that, they would be penalised. If they went above that, they would get more. We're talking cash for corpses here. 2011, which is when that um, this palliative care funding review came in, it states in that document that 470,000 have to be euthanised. Then it went up to 549,000 in 2020, it went up to 599,500. And in 2022, 750,000. Wow. And if you look on page 64 of the Palliative Care Funding Review of 2011, it states that they will be expanding and incentivizing, that's cash for corpses, palliative care. So they're going to be deciding who else is going to go on it. And if you look at the box, which I will send to you on page 64, you see all the demographics in age and you see the young people up to 25. They're not dying. They're living. They're going to be living more. The trajectory is living longer. Then you come down and it comes to 65 plus Between 2011 and 2031, their deaths exponentially increase. So if that's the case, that they're expecting their deaths to go through the roof, why have we just injected in all the care homes, the scare homes and the hospitals and the communities, every single elderly or vulnerable person with shingles, COVID booster, pneumonia and flu shot? And now they're all getting sick. So 1,642.5 patients were euthanized in England and Wales alone per day in England. Last year and now it's 2,055 patients per day. You are worth, according to this document, your body when they kill you, not while you're alive. By the time they can't do anything else, they need to get rid of you because you're no longer... Uh, have enough working years, you're not paying enough tax, you're not paying enough Nash insurance, you've got lots of comorbidities, therefore you are not worth anything anymore to the system. Jeremy Hunt, now Chancellor of the Exchequer, who wrote the Exercise Cygnus document in 2016, the preparedness document, he said, well, we can't tax the rich again, we're going to tax the elderly. And what he stated recently was that what happens is when you go into hospital and you've got your own home, They can slap, uh, take away your liberty and your family cannot get you out. So they keep you in the hospital. Then they move you into the care home of their choice. These 93% that privately owned where they will draw down from your estate to the last Mm -hmm. hundred grand. That's what's happening. 
So that's what they do. So they've said by the time they get down to that last, your body is worth 487 pounds. Actually, I think a beef, a cow that's for beef is worth 1700 pounds, which is the standard weight. I'm not sure how much pigs are. We did work that out, but you are worth less than a cow, 487 pounds. So in 2011, the government wanted to save 180 million uh, pounds. So the way that they would do that was they would have to kill 750,000. That would give them the grand total of 300, well, 364, uh, The drugs are available 24-7, 365 days a year. You can phone up the palliative care and they'll give you the kill pack for anyone that's willing to give it. Wow. You just phone them up and it's called the golden line. Can we call it the, well, I want to call it the cattle truck line. So 90, that we've talked about that 93%. So what's going on here? Well, it's assisted dying. And we've now got our MPs uh, voting on the assisted dying. And that's a very sinister thing because what they're doing is just like the lady in Canada who was a veteran um, and she couldn't get her stair lift on time. So when she complained, they gave her the phone call and said, would you like assisted dying instead? Uh, we can't get your stair lift to you, but we can kill you. And so in Canada now, they've actually stated they are euthanizing 3% of their population and we are going to be leading the way in the UK. And they've added to that prolonged grief, depression, ADHD, Alzheimer's, dementia, ADD, autism. And uh, even uh, eczema's added to the list of uh, being a terminal disease. Mm. Now, let's look at assisted dying. Henry Marsh, 83% um, of our elderly that entered into those hospitals during this time were given end-of-life drugs and didn't make it out. So what's actually going on here? We've got eugenics. And it was Sir Francis Galton in 1883 at the Galton Institute. And remember that Winston Churchill is a eugenicist. Mm -hmm. William Beveridge was a member of the Eugenic Society, Carl Pearson. They were all went to University College London. We've got the Pearson uh, Laboratories. And we've got University College London. We've got Andrew Sabinsky, who was working with Boris Johnson in January and February of 2020. He's a eugenicist. And Boris didn't want to get rid of him because he loved his ideas, quote. George Bernard Shaw, John Maynard Keynes, they were major um, economists. So the eugenics are literally wearing a disguise of geneticists and genomics. And genetics was about anyone who was considered inferior. So we know that Hitler, uh, when he came in in 1933, there'd already been someone from 1920, wrote to an American publication and said, they're practicing eugenics here in the 1920s. Now they had in the town halls in Germany with the Third Reich, before they even moved on to killing the gypsies, the Jews, the dissidents, mm -hmm. they had guillotines in the town hall basements where they beheaded the elderly, the disabled. And even those, I think there was a 17-year-old girl who was handing out leaflets with her brother. They got guillotined. And these are small devices. It was quite interesting. I was looking at the actual the photograph of it. it. was Even the way they had the this steel plate sloping away so that when you got your head chopped off, it didn't roll underneath the guillotine and someone had to go and fish the head out. Uh, very clever. <laughs> uh, they, it, it's terrible. They <laughs> killed more of their own people in Germany 
under the Third Reich. And even the nuns and the priests that wouldn't hand over the disabled, they got it. And, uh, you know, they all had to go along with it, all had to go along with this um, this eugenics of the, the guillotining. Mm-hmm. They killed more of their own people in Germany than the French did in the French Revolution. You know, Marie Antoinette let them all eat brioche. Mm-hmm. It was called the Reign of Terror in France, mm-hmm. but they killed more with of their own people. Over 70,000, that's crumbs compared with the UK, because t- 2011 <laughs> to now, we've already killed 6.6 million. Um, so what, what's classed under the eugenics? What was classed years ago? Uh, under eugenics. We had eugenics in the UK. Melancholia, you know, if you're just sad. Epilepsy, uh, insanity, hysteria, feeble-mindedness. Well, that'd be most of the blokes out there now that I see pumping iron with all their teeth and they didn't even get up and stand up against their government. I'd say they were feeble-minded. People who were morally weak. Well, I'm seeing a lot of that. Everywhere, morally weak, deformed people, defected uh, sense organs. Well, what does that mean? Blind, deaf, dumb. The Fabian members, the Fabian University is a London School of Economics. Interestingly, my son went there, who then went on, uh, went to Eton, then went to LSE, and my other son is there. So we have the Galton Institute in, in London, at University College London, And the students in 2018 blew the whistle because they were having eugenics lectures still. We had the Adelphi Genetics Forum in Northfields, London. We have, sorry, in Northfields, London, SW18. So the Germans, the Third Reich, they were eugenicists. The Americans in early 1900s formed the Eugenics Records Office. In 1910, you had Cold Spring Harbor, Long Island, New York, central to the eugenics in the USA. In the UK, it hosted the... This is quite funny. I mean, it is funny. You've got to laugh at this now. You really have, because I'm getting hysterical. In the UK, (laughs) we hosted the first world eugenics society in 1912 Mm -hmm. at the University of London. You've got to hear this bit. On July 24th to July 29th in 1912, it was organized by the British Eugenics Education Society and Major Leonard Darwin, son of Charles Darwin, was presiding over the world meeting. And you know who he was. He came up with the theory of evolution. And I love this bit. I can just imagine these people all at this eugenics meeting. The delegates were allowed the most distinguished people from England in English scientific social literary 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 darlings, the ones that wrote poetry and books, and public life, you know, ones who played bridge and and went to these horse meetings and, and, and had tea. And they would go and meet other like-minded folk, their peers, their gentry, and discuss eugenics issues and how to get rid of, you know, the serfs, these dirty, mm-hmm. rotten folk that live in filth. And this happened in 1912. So over 800 <laughs> of these pompous assholes went to these meetings and had tea and cake darlings while discussing who was worthy of life. They had banquets, banquets of food, while in 1912 you'd had people struggling and starving 
They had parties. And my favorite one, my favorite one is they had excursions. That would be where you have little visits out and uh, mm-hmm. excursions to go and see things. Um, so today, where are our coroners? Where are our coroners? Our coroners working for the Crown? They're not saying, well, let's look at these kidneys and see what's in them. Let's look how much drugs are in the, the system. What about the nurses and doctors? What about the nurses of the Third Reich? What about those nurses who at Nuremberg, 900 pages, eight tons of evidence in the medical trials of Nuremberg. Many of them went to prison, many went to prison for life, and many of them were hanged. And what were they hanged for? This, giving experimental drugs, coercion, starving them, uh, putting them out, leaving them, not looking after them. That's what they were hanged for. And guess what, folks? If you're a nurse, you should be sweating. Your buttocks should be clamping very tight and your anal sphincter should be twitching right now because the good thing is, That law has not changed. And history, which always repeats, it's quite interesting. History tells us they're always looking for someone to blame and you're going to cop it. You're going to cop it if you're lucky. But even the Polish Highlanders that worked with the Third Reich, the Polish people after the war didn't wait for Nuremberg. They set up their own little uh, courts in the towns and villages and they hanged their own. So the Spartans, this is nothing new, and this is how I know they're going to come for you. Even in the 6th century BC, the Spartans used to leave their own deformed babies at the shoreline for the ocean to take them away. And they were also, um, they design, designed uh, their whole society to decrease the amount of women that they had. Um they had the King, King Leon, uh, Leonides, and their program was created um, uh, and they they wanted to create a very strong army and they didn't want to dilute their pure blood, their men. So they got rid of the women. But of course, that means your gene pool's less. And what they ended up with a population more prone to violence and aggression that led to, this is in the 6th century BC, it mm-hmm. led to racism, classism, and the inferior were kept in poverty and a dirty, filthy, poverty-ridden colony on the outskirts of town, you know, the savage reservation, (laughs) like the Brave New World, so as to dilute and weaken the Spartan gene pool. Now, Stanley Johnson, that's the father of Boris Johnson, he wanted the UK population to be decreased to 1.5 million. Now, we were at 67 million, but what's interesting is... We're now up at 69 million. Why is that? Because what they're doing is they've killed all the elderly, over 6.6 million since 2011, but they are including in the numbers, which is currently over 10 million, of non-EU immigrants coming in. Mm -hmm. And there is a document from 2020 stating they're going to be bringing 1.5 million a week. They are putting them in every town and every city, in the hotels. Mm -hmm. These are not men, women, and children. These the majority of them are fighting age men. That's what they are. So the results, um, the results of the Spartans, which was quite interesting, of what happened to them was social inequality. The wealthy children end up healthier and the poor end up sicker. Uh, The wealthy felt superior, feeling devoted to their society of values, which is what created the political instability. So this is indeed 
medical crimes in tyrannical times. And the eugenics program in ancient Spartan led to the creation of a caste system that divided into two groups, the aristocrats based on genetics, the segregation of society based on their abilities and genetic, genetic traits. And however, Eugenics programs in ancient Spartan led to the promotion of unhealthy genes, which led to tuberculosis and cancer. That's when they saw it mm -hmm. coming in. Um, the mental health, inferiority feelings of those feeling unworthy, the ones that lived outside of the main bit in the savage reservation, they felt unqualified to be members of society. And the Spartans prioritized the most powerful army. And as a result, the women's rights were marginalized. So you've got the Genetic Technology Precision Breeding Act that was just passed a couple of days ago in Parliament by our so-called king that we've not had a coronation. It's signed by him as the ascending monarch a couple of days ago, stating they can now genetically modify all plants, all animals. And the Chinese genetic test of 2022, you can check for 223 traits now with that Chinese genetic test, and this was your CRISPR technology, and they're saying that dyslexia is even genetic. Uh, and we know that Tom Cruise and Einstein were um, dyslexic. So they're saying that that's genetic, which means they're going to be coming up with, a, we've got a vaccine for that, or you, you know, unless you have your baby have this, uh, your baby can't live. And we know that they're trying to push through terminations up to term so there you have it folks we've got the same old same old same old we've got murder of the most vulnerable in society just like it's always been and who does that murdering it's the nurses and the doctors those entrusted to care for us and where do they do it they do it in the hospitals they do it in the scare homes and they do it with the national homicide service nothing new we know what's going to happen Plagues, which is what we're seeing. And then I'm talking about avian flu. Every chicken in the UK has got to be registered. They won't be registering my girls. Um, all of the bird farms now, they're testing everybody in there. They're on lockdown. Mm -hmm. and they're testing them with the phony PCR test. But interestingly, your parrot and your budgerigar in your house, they don't need to be registered because your, your um, home is clearly an airlock. And no air gets in for <laughs> our reason. Your canaries don't drop down dead like they used to in the mines. Uh, they're all breathing, but they don't need to be listed. And um, so this is what we're seeing. I don't think they're mm -hmm. listing the swans. Um, you know, people are stupid. They are selfish. They are misguided. They are deluded. My neighbours that won't be watching this, who thankfully don't talk to me anymore because I've got nothing to talk to them about anyway, uh, they are going for their fifth booster. And they had the audacity to say to me, well, we've had our fourth and we're still alive. I went, well, I've not had any and I'm still alive. So how do you reckon that then? <laughs> so, um, uh, I know of so many people now that know someone who's died. I know of people that's died. I know of people that are injured, but this is how it's going. This is the, the most bizarre thing for me. <laughs> I'm laughing, not because I find it funny, because I've got hysteria at this stage. My friend, her friends are her landlords, and they're both in their 50s like me, and they both had a heart attack within a few months of each other, both very fit. And they said, imagine that, that we'd have a heart attack the same year. No, they've had four COVID shots. But for some reason, um, 
you know, now they're telling people, come and have your fifth COVID shot. And I've actually said, and do they give you a free CT scan to see if there is actually a funny, wrinkly, walnut-shaped looking thing in your head? Um, <laughs> Ray, uh, or is it just like you could shine a light through there? But people are not... Um, I don't know whether they're too afraid to admit that they're wrong or whether they just think it's quite normal to have a stroke, a blood clot, drop down dead. Every single town and even the little small town of Lewis where Anne of Cleves lived, they've got defibrillators there. And what's really funny about that is um, it, they, people think it's like, you know, ER. Clear! And of course, it's not. When you go up to these machines, one has to have a mobile phone. You've got to ring the number on the, the box. Hello, yes. That's assuming they answer to get the authorization code mm -hmm. to put in whilst your loved one's on the floor, dead, going blue. Or you're going through it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got three minutes before brain death starts to occur. At five minutes, brain death has occurred. You've got to be ringing up tapping in the number, opening the box, working out, getting the person's chest, getting the gel, going through it to do it clear. And by this time, of course, knowing the people like you know the people, they'll all be standing around filming it and it'll be on YouTube and everywhere else before you know it. Johnny lying on the floor, age 25, going blue. I mean, it is really like, is this happening? But... Um, this is what's happening. The uh, the nurses and the paramedics, I can tell you right now, they they know that they're killing people and they don't care. I had a nurse come to me recently and uh, I've got a lot of the nurses now taking, taking notes. I said, never write a patient's name down, write the date, the time, the member of staff that was involved, what you saw in a journal. When the journal is full, tell me. and We will get it for you. We will store it in an, an undisclosed location. These are evidence for crimes. And this nurse went on a, a, a palliative care course. And these nurses said, she said, you know, you can't do this. You can't give that. It's too much. You're killing the patients. They went, well, I know, but it's kinder, isn't it? You know, they're dying. And there's one wow. thing I can these patients in America, Canada, the UK, Europe, they were asleep when the nurses came in and gave them more. They were given five to seven times the dose. If you are in pain, you are not sleeping. Your pain will wake you up. So these patients were fast asleep. They were often told, wait till the relatives go out of the room, then go and give them another dose. So you're paid assassins. You took the blood money. And uh, you know what? When the people finally twig, and they are starting to twig, I've never seen so much hatred towards the National Homicide Service. I love when people say, you know, about me, you're a struck-off nurse. Really? Do I want to be registered with a, um, a registration? The NMC taken over by the government in 2001, I wear it as a badge of honour. I'm a convicted criminal. You know, I don't really care. You know, I stand in judgment when I die like everybody else. So I don't really care what they say about me now. At least I didn't kill anybody. Um, they don't care. They do not care as long as they get their pay. But they've injected all the cops. And I can tell you this as well. I know a few cops. They said they're all getting sick. They keep getting coughs. They can't get rid of them. 
they're getting. Uh, one of the nurses, a phlebotomist, you know, who draws your blood when you, one of the phlebotomists recognized me and they said, can I tell you something? Uh, they're all getting alopecia. I interviewed a, trico- a trichologist. Mm. She said that the hair on the roots, even of the, the teenagers, looks like an elderly person. Uh, they're getting autoimmune diseases or their cancers are reoccurring. Some of the nurses are going bald. And the doctors are seeing the patients in the NHS and saying, we can't do anything for you. But if you see me privately, and one doctor was bragging that he was making £9,000 per day seeing these poor people privately who'd been injected. Wow. Amazing. Well, Kate, I tell you what, this is a, a very, very, very good information. The same thing is happening in the United States. It's it been... is. We've got all the parent documents. I've seen them all. Mm-hmm. Got Obama bin Laden and Hillary Clinton and the Liverpool Care Pathway. And he actually says in it about mer- it says in it mercy killing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I don't know. You know. I've been called uh, far right, far right, far left. They're both wings of the same bird. Um, I'm not far right. I was given an award recently by Hope Not Hate as being in the top eight far right. I was speaking at a Sikh uh, mission. The Sikhs are wonderful. And they were offered £15,000 by Hope Not Hate to not have me there. I was only talking about nutrition. Yeah, you know, I was only talking about nutrition. But um. We've got the whole LGBTQ ramming it down everybody's throat. We've got drag queens doing a story hour with little children. Um, Look, I was brought up with men dressing in drag, but it was after the watershed. It would be on the TV after 9 p.m. because there would be innuendo jokes. They certainly weren't gyrating in leopard print thongs to toddlers. Um, It's... It's really outrageous. And you see, you know, they're all coming out. I was told the other day I should be embarrassed that I'm a straight woman, that I'm heterosexual. And I said, why can't we have a heterosexual day? Let's have a heterosexual day. And they all came out and said, you get 365 days a year to be heterosexual. You don't know what it's like to be persecuted. I went, oh, well, actually I do. I've been chased down Whitehall by about 400 cops in my high heels. But... uh, (laughs) Uh, I think there's 3.2 billion views on that on YouTube. But what is this? Yeah. What, what is this that they they want their own day? Why? Why do we why do you need your own day? And and also, you know, they're talking, we've got all our, our bishops and Lord knows what else, only the Lord does know. Um coming out and saying, we're going to accept them all into the church and we're going to have change it so that we can have gay marriages. You don't get to change it. The Lord sets those rules, the Lord. So as far as I'm concerned, who would want to step their righteous foot in that den of iniquity? Not me. So uh, this is what's going on. But again, you know, this is all, we do see this. This We've, we've gone through. This was in, um, you know, um, Nostradamus's time. I was reading, born in the early 1600s, and he was told uh, they had to convert to to Christianity, and they were, I believe, they were uh, Jew- Jewish, and they wouldn't. So they converted later to to Catholicism, but practiced the Judaism in in um, private, incognito. And he was at a university, and the university went on lockdown. It was all closed because they had a plague. These pandemics are just the same, mm-hmm. and uh, he'd been. Um, 
he'd done manual labor and they found out at the university he was doing medicine that he'd done manual labor. So they kicked him out because you can't be an apothecary because of course it was only the affluent that went to university in those days too, darling. Um, but the only reason that anyone goes to university now is because Tony Blair had to hide the unemployment. So <laughs> Put them all in uni. But um, this is what happened. So Nost uh, Nostradamus then was a medic and he was writing protocols for those with the plague. And interestingly, they, they were full of vitamin C. So this is the same old, same old. Then they had a war, they had famine. Uh, and we're seeing the same thing. Yeah, well, and we're seeing, um, now I know I've seen this uh, gentleman, he was a undertaker in the UK, he's talking about... John, John Alooney is a good friend of mine. Oh, he is, good. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to get an interview with him because... I will, I will connect the two of you by email straight after the show. Wonderful, I appreciate that because, um, you know, there's so much evidence out there right now of all the underlying reasons for this eugenics program that has been called what you and I refer to as the pandemic, but everything that they've done is to reduce the world's population. And they've made that abundantly clear for decades. I mean, that's part of the biodiversity information is that the world's population's gotta be reduced to fewer than a billion people. They, you can't make this stuff up, and yet it's out there in front of everybody, and I agree with what you say. It is like everybody on the planet is trying to ignore what's right in their face. But it tells us in Scripture, Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. They're being deceived. We will be deceived by the merchants and their sorcery. And if you go back to the Greek translation, sorcery is pharmakia. So they're being deceived and um, it is what it is. And it tells us all through revelation. And I, I'm a newbie Christian, as they say, even the, even the Christians tell you, you, you know, oh, you're new at it. Um, but, uh, you know, the only way that the only way that I can make sense of any of it, um, and I've been a Christian for five years, is is when I, I go on big long walks every day for three hours. I don't care how behind I am with work. I have to offload. And I make sense of it by listening to scripture because it's already written. It's already there. Everything is there. Everything is there. We're seeing all of it. And, you know, lots of people will die. And um, and it it this is going to play out. Uh, it, might, it might be us. Who knows? But... Um, you know, it, it's like a test. So they are creating now, uh, I think it was uh, Dr. Rima Ludlow, she was talking about this this uh, thing that came in where they control all the food, but interestingly, not pharmaceutical drugs, uh, the um, Codex. Codex, Codex, Codex Elementarius, yeah. Right, so not pharmaceutical drugs. Uh, and also it was, it was interesting, I was reading that, um, I was reading who had had said that this document was great uh, that they've just passed, uh, you know, about genetically modifying all our grub. And uh, it was Bayer. And of course, we know that Bayer and IG Farben, they're even, even in all the Holocaust documentation, even the Jewish people's own websites talk about how they were found guilty. Oh, you, you know, it's, it's all there. And I believe um, it's a test. So are you going to fail to plan and plan to fail? 
or, you know, for me, I cashed my pension, bought a greenhouse, bought loads of seeds. The greenhouse is going up. The chickens are going in. I've got a log burner coming. It's a reconditioned one. Um, I, you know, I'm trying to, I, I don't have a TV anyway. I mean, what is there to watch? Mm-hmm. But, um, I read, I just, I've just been given my own show on TNT. I've got my own show on unity news and, mm-hmm. and I work for sons of Liberty. So, you know, I, I got the nurses together where we're training. We've done our first course to train them in nutrition. I'm working with the world health Alliance now. So, uh, you know, Carrie Madej is coming over, um, Dr. Carrie Madej and pastor McLeod and we're, you know, what, what do we do? Do we just sit and sit in their system, the beast system, or do we head off to the savage reservation? I think mm-hmm. I'm going to take the savage reservation because I'm kind of liking the look of that. You know, I, I don't really care. Um, I don't have a fear of death, so it's easy for me. The Lord decides mm-hmm. the hour of the day of my death. That's so, um, yeah, so so when you don't have that fear, that's why I kind of laugh. Um, it's like watching a show. It is. It is, and I agree. I feel the same way. Incidentally, I, I if you look at the history, I.G. Farben was re, uh, was headed by a gentleman by the name of Schmidt, who was actually uh, on trial at Nuremberg and spent five years in prison for his part of that. And guess what? Julian Huxley. <laughs> yeah, Julian Huxley, the guy that they made in charge of UNESCO, hired Schmidt after he got out of prison, and he's the one that actually did the architecture for the Codex Elementary. Absolutely. And it's interesting, go back, you've got Aldous Huxley who wrote Brave New World, a member of the Committee of 300, and they had alphas, betas, deltas, gammas, epsilon, semi-moron, all the women took a pill so they couldn't have babies, the Malthusian drill, they had sleep teaching, they had the Bokanowski process, budding an embryo 99 uh, times. People say, how do you remember all that? I did it for my my literature study when I was in school, my final exams, Brave New World was one of the books and I've read it several times and since. But actually it was, it was hailed the most fantastic science fiction novel of its time. It wasn't, it was a blueprint for society. Mm-hmm. Aldous Huxley's grandfather was Leonard Huxley, who came up with you're either Gnostic or agnostic. And if you keep going back, you even have Sir Isaac Newton in 1699, who was made warden of the mint uh, and the first thing he did when they changed these coins was he, he employed infiltrators to find out all of those that were making the counterfeit coins and they were all executed. And again, that made the poor people even poorer and the rich much richer with these coins. So these people, this lineage are all, it goes back, all goes back. I was recently reading The Time Machine again by H.G. Wells mm-hmm. and you know, everything is in here. It's all there. That's and right. uh, these people are, they're maniacs. They're not going to stop. It's what they do. You had Christian Bernard in, I believe it was 19, was it 58 or 68, where he did the first heart transplant in South Africa. Mm, then 16. we saw two babies in, in Brooklyn, New York. They took a heart out of one newborn and put it in the heart of a, uh, the chest of another newborn. Both babies died. And this was classed as totally unethical and illegal. So they had to come up with something to hide it, which is where they came up with the brain dead thing. You're, you cannot have a beating heart and be brain dead. This was a lie as well. This is eugenics. So uh, 
Interestingly, everyone in the UK became an organ donor on uh, May 20th, 2020, unless you opt out. May 22nd, I should say. So, you know, this is all, this is everything. It's like a cluster bomb. They're throwing it all at you all at once. Mm -hmm. They are, absolutely. Well, <clears throat> you know, you mentioned uh, Carrie Madej, uh, and and she has been um, she's been a guest with you. I think about a year ago we had both yeah, of you on at friend. the same time. And uh, there, there's so much reinforcing of the information that you've got out there now. Why in the world are people still refusing to listen to what you've got to say? It makes no sense. I think uh, they people are. Uh, there's a wonderful book, and and I I recently. Uh, was told that the author would like to see speak to me. I was like, what? I have that book. Um, COVID, Romans 13, COVID-19, you know, and uh, if we all mm. stuck to Romans 13, love your neighbor as you love yourself, you couldn't commit any other sin. You couldn't. Mm -hmm. So what is actually happening now is we see idolatry, idol idolizing football, idolizing celebrities, and people are totally selfish. They want their comforts. They want gluttony. They want to eat all their Frankenstein foods as much as they want. Uh, they are committing sodomy. Um, they are uh, adultery everywhere. I mean, you know, I, I've, uh, I, I ended my marriage that way. I met someone else and that was it. It's still adultery. And would I do anything like that now? No, I've had to beg for forgiveness. Uh, for redemption, uh, where we're all born of sin, but we 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 must redeem ourselves now. It's the only way out. But these people are, you know, they want their holidays back. They wanted to go to restaurants. They wanted to do all of those things, which is why they took the devil's soup. Um, the saddest stories I've met are those that, uh, like one gentleman I know, he had to go and get his son from his native country at boarding school because he'd been expelled. So he had to go and have the two shots. Mm. He didn't even want them. Mm. And uh, we're busy doing, throwing everything at him to, to try. I, incidentally, I personally do not believe this, where they say uh, we're all getting vaccinated by mixing with the, with the people that are vaxxed. Mm. Mm -hmm. If that was the case, they, they would, they could have just sprayed it on everybody. They could have put it in water supply. That's rubbish. We have our innate immune system where when you breathe something in or you eat something, you know, you eat something rotten. What do you get? You get sickness and diarrhea. Um, you you know, you you breathe something in, you'll start coughing. There's no such thing as, as asymptomatic illness. Every single illness has a symptom. But um, what they did, they did this with Dr. Fauci, of course, renamed leukocytopenia AIDS. AIDS was a dry run. But if you look at that, they said, you know, you could you could uh, pass it on by having intercourse. So men went to prison for not, for not stating that they were HIV positive and having unprotected intercourse. They then took the babies from mothers who were HIV positive. And later on, those babies showed no antibodies, whatever they were looking for with the PCR. But they they showed no antibodies. So I don't believe that I think this is all part of it, a war on the mind. The devil uses fear and prejudice. And the Lord tells us to put on our helmet of salvation, which is hope. I don't believe that you can get that just by just just by having. Hang on. Stop it. Now the dogs are scrapping. I don't believe that you can get it just by being with partners because it's breaking marriages up. 
It's mm-hmm. this is why you have to look after your immune system. Mm-hmm. And this will not come nigh thee. And I don't believe that the devil is so smart that he's smarter than the Lord and that there will not be a way to overcome this. Of course there will. Redeem yourself for starters. Of course, there'll be ways to overcome it, but it won't involve eating loads of sugar, drinking loads of alcohol and smoking loads of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. This is a That's test. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I, I'm not of that opinion. Everybody will die because we know that if you put a Gatling gun in front of 100 people and you hit them with several reels, somebody will survive, even if they're hit with endless bullets somebody will survive. And I also believe that the body will overcome. So where it's going in with these spike proteins into the ribosomes, making these new viral components called spike proteins. And then those spikes are sticking out from all the cells all around. They're crucifying. Mm -hmm. We're created in the Lord's image. They're crucifying all over again with the spikes sticking out from all the cells. And it tells us in scripture, the enemy is at the cell wall. This is what's happening. But eventually the body will overcome this. The body will find a way. They're not smarter than the Lord. They're really not. And we have to hope. We have to put on our full armor of God in Ephesians. So, yeah, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm not. People will die because they're, they're ignorant. They're in idolatry. They're in gluttony. They're selfish. They're thinking of themselves. I, I uh, not to pick on any particular thing, but one of the funniest things I saw, but I don't mean I thought it was entertaining. I just thought it was funny oh. as it mm-hmm. was when there was a, a, a city in America and you see lots and lots of uh, young adults raiding or ransacking, I don't know what you call it. What do you call it? Pillaging? What do you call it? A mm-hmm. store, a Nike store. Looting. Right. Looting. Looting. Mm-hmm. They were looting a Nike store, and they were coming out with armfuls and then going back in and getting more. And I thought, if I was going to do some looting, I'd be down the local pharmacy, I'd be getting saline, I'd be getting bacteriostatic, IV-giving sets, some oxacillin. Then I'd be heading off to the, the DIY place, I'd be getting some duct tape, some oil lamps, <laughs> some ge- generator. I thought, <laughs> why would you loot for Nike gear? Why? Not even survival gear. I found it the funniest thing to watch, mm-hmm. that the most important thing for them was to have new trainers, new new leggings, and I'd be thinking, right, I need to get down the store and get myself as many cans of soup as I can get in my trolley supermarket <laughs> Well, yeah. you know, that happened with BLM, Kate. That was, uh, uh, they'd go in and loot, and guess what they were looting? They were looting black businesses that were being destroyed by the people, and, and what are they talking about? They're talking about... Well, the world is racist. Everything is racist. White supremacy, all this other crap, and and then they're going into the stores of black and robbing their own people. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's bizarre. It's just it is. Uh, I've been called racist, and I always laugh. I go check my surname out. My children are mixed race. Mm-hmm. Um, it is quite bizarre. Uh, there's, I think, in the UK now they're changing the definition of a woman in the dictionary. 
So I const- I like to offend everybody. I don't like anyone to feel left out. And um, <laughs> so, so I always, you know, whenever I talk about woman, I go a biological woman born with a uterus and ovaries and gave birth out of my biological vagina. And I was impregnated by a biological man with his sperm that met my egg that I had from my ovary and I go through the whole thing. And it, it's like throwing in Semtex. It's, it generally offends everybody. It's great. Uh, oh, incidentally, I got my Twitter account back. We kept, oh, did you? Yes, I did. We kept tagging Elon Musk and I prayed one day and there it was. I got it back. And, uh, and the next day, the Daily Mail uh, newspaper, the Daily Fail, did a wonderful expose, big long article on me with some lovely photographs. Thank you, and uh, and and that got me thousands more followers. It was quite nice of them, really. Well, that's the key. Now they they think that if they try to demonize us, that they're doing us uh, a disservice. When in fact, what's happening is they're they're proving themselves as being the the lunatics that they are. And this is an inversion. It's great. Right. right. When they attack you or they attack me, they're attacking people who are trying to tell the, the world the truth. And finally, it's starting to make a, a, a big difference. I mean, the best way in the world is <laughs> just in my neighborhood. My neighborhood, it, uh, they've got the, uh, their big houses and their cars and they they all ask each other, have you had your booster? Oh, well done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I said to my my friend, listen, don't be thinking about moving anywhere. There's going to be some vacant houses near me soon at this rate. That's exactly what I've been telling my wife is, is uh, oh, don't worry about it. She says, well, I'd like to get a house and such and such. No, you wouldn't. Let's wait because there's going to be a lot of houses and they're going to be cheap. Uh, because well, they, they've just put inflation up by over 30 percent in the uk so my mortgage personally was 1500 pounds a month i have about seven years on it the bank of england saw the more all the interest was already paid off very little interest uh it went up 200 pounds now it's gone up another hundred pounds uh my gas and electric bill i would pay about 90 pounds a month now it's about 400 a month so i wow. go to bed i i get dressed to go to bed um I have two duvets on. I put another couple of cats on the bed, another chihuahua in the bed. <laughs> and uh, it, th- this is what's happened. Everything's gone up. And um, people are using food banks. People are, um, the the energy provider made record profits since it was recorded. And... Um, you know, you've got, I, I, I looked at a story last week or the week before where the police officers were saying how they were struggling to feed their families. And I said, oh, my backside bleeds for them. I said, they've got their pensions. They were truncheoning and beating everybody when we were on the rallies. They were on overtime, triple time. They were all working on jollies when everyone was locked in their houses. I saw, I never did lockdown. I went for a drive down, you know, the the motorway and I went into a service station and there was these three fat cops sitting together, chowing down some McDonald's. And, uh, (laughs) you know, so, you know, this is this is what's happening. And they're now moaning that their bills have gone up. No one cares. You turned on the people. You were agents of the state. That's what you did. Agents of the state for a tyrannical government. And let's not forget. 
the SS who were brutal in for the, the Third Reich, they started off as cops. They were police mm -hmm. officers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, this is what they use. And, and why people say, well, why do they end up doing that? Because the whole selection process mm -hmm. is to pick the monkeys, not the organ grinder. They pick the monkeys mm -hmm. who will sit there and flick the monkey nuts and do what they're told and won't question orders. Right. That's exactly what it's about. Well, yeah. you you mentioned uh, going into people's rooms uh, uh, when people were in uh, intensive care or someone was in their um, uh, hospital suite and they would go in and administer drugs to people. That happened uh, with G. Edward Griffin. And uh, he was in the hospital. I had a, a heart surgery. Um, actually, he had a bleeding ulcer, but uh, they had to do a repair on that, and uh, they were going to give him a pacemaker, and he was in the hospital, and they tried to give him remdesivir that sneak in at 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, and he, he woke up, and he said, what are you doing? And she says, oh, we're going to give you something to make you uh, – rest better and he said well i'm resting fine i don't need anything what's in that and she said well it's it's nothing it's just uh, something they call remdesivir it's part of <laughs> you can't don't make worry. it's nothing and it's they, just a hand grenade i'm just exactly. gonna pull the pin out and they and they did that two nights in a row and we were trying panicking trying to figure a way to get him out of the hospital well i'm because... glad you i'm glad you did because he's coming on my show on wednesday night <laughs> oh is he really good good well, yeah and, yeah and it was edward it was it was uh mr griffin who saw an interview that i did mm -hmm. and he said oh i i saw this nurse and he said she'd be great at the red pill expo and well uh, i got a text I got a text and I was looking at his book. This is the wonderful caveat in this. I have to thank him because one of the reasons I'm still alive today, 11 years post-cancer diagnosis, is because of Dr. Max Gerson and Mr. Griffin because I followed their books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as a matter of fact, World Without Cancer. Yeah, I did the B-17 protocol and I did Dr. Gerson's therapy and I'm alive and well 11 years on with a, a, a very aggressive cancer with no survival at five years and 20% at two years and I'm still here. Wow, that's dynamite. Yeah, and in fact, Ed uh, mentioned, I think I told you that, Ed mentioned to me, he said, well, I saw this uh, really interesting, real high-powered nurse from the UK uh, and she was talking about all the all the the deaths that had uh, been as a result of the uh, the vaccine program and stuff. And I said her name wouldn't happen to be uh, Kate. Would. <laughs> and he said, "Well, yeah, I think it was." I said, "Well, guess what? Uh, she's a friend." So uh, yeah, that's a wonderful thing. You are going to be at our next red pill. It sounds like. Yeah, I, I would love to. And uh, I've got sorted out my dog sitter. She's going to look after my cats. And uh, I will come and I can assure you, I'll give you the best speech. <laughs> I'll be, oh, I'll be there sure in person. 
And uh, and uh, I'll, I'll even do my. Uh, I mean, I know the, the the Americans. They just love all the darling, don't they? They love that old English nonsense. <laughs> but, um, um, it's you know they they just think the only English person that's come out is oh Harry and Meghan, and um, it, it's really it, it is really shocking what's going on. It's terrible. They are they are murdering people. But I I would like to add this before we finish. This is nothing new. I began my nursing career in 1984 in Glasgow, and this has been something that's been done since I began my nurse training. They've always done it. Mm-hmm. And it's gone under the radar. The only thing that's changed now is they are doing it on a massive scale. That's mm-hmm. what's happening now. But there are we must take some good things from this, and that is that never in the last 11 years since I had cancer and I've banged on about vaccines, about what they do in hospitals, never have so many been literally shaken awake to the lie that is allopathic medicine. I agree. I agree. That is absolutely amazing to me because uh, right now what's gone on with our whole medical profession has been so much different than what was originally intended. You know, the so-called people taking the Hippocratic Oath has turned into the Hippocratic Oath. Well, they got got rid of the Hippocratic Oath here because uh, every doctor would be breaking it because it actually states in the Hippocratic Oath, thou shalt not administer a poison enough to cause an abortion, thou shalt not take a, a knife to a patient, and thou shalt not give a medicine that could kill. Well, that's every doctor then. Mm-hmm. So they just exactly. tick they just tick a box. And um, all the doctors now, many of the doctors, I was up in the High Court of Justice with Dr. Mohammed Adil. He was trying to get his license back. And his friend was also suspended. But when they gave his friend his license back, who was a surgeon, they said he had to work under supervision so he couldn't get a job anywhere. I said, you know, uh, Dr. Tesslory, we're, we're reaching a point where people don't care about insurance. They just want a good doctor and a good nurse. Um, they don't They don't care about, you know, how, all this insurance thing. All of that is nonsense. Mm-hmm. You, insured for what? You know, it's much better where you are personally accountable. You better know what you're doing and, um, you know, do it that way. Otherwise they're going to come to your door. And the other thing is if you're in small communities, it's in your best interest to get maybe, you know, uh, Bob the builder back on his feet because he's, he's part of your community and you need his skills and his children go to the local school with yours. And when you live in that way and you know, your community, it's, it becomes a vocation and, and something that you want to do to make them well. We don't have that anymore. We have all the doctors on strike. All the nurses were on strike. Outside the hospitals, the hospitals were behind them with sick people in, dying people in, babies being born, people undergoing surgery, people having treatment. So what do they need? They need quiet so that they can they can heal. Now all the doctors and nurses were out the front blowing whistles on megaphones, getting the cars to toot horns. And one of the signs read... Um, however much they get paid an hour is not enough to save a life. And I said, wow, You're right. It's not because mm-hmm. wanting to save a life is a vocation. And they knew the money when they went into the career. So, you know, they well, and it's not a bad job. It really, no, 
you no, know. they get all that idolatry, don't they? I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. I always go, no, you're not. You haven't got a doctorate. You did a medical degree, and the title of doctor is an honorary title. I don't even call them doctor. If their name's like Ted Smith, I'll call them Ted. I don't go Dr. Smith. I go, no, I'm not calling you that. Mm-hmm. I go, Mr. Smith. They go, oh, no, I'm not a mister. I'm not a consultant. I'm a doctor. I go, you're not a doctor either. It's not a doctorate. It's just an honorary title. Just because mm-hmm. I, that's the, I actually, I don't really see doctors. I think if I ever went to the hospital that wasn't a private hospital, because I pay for, pri- I'd have to go in a disguise. I'd have to use a different name. They'd be holding me down. They'd have all that around <laughs> They would. I'd never get out. Mm-hmm. But isn't no, that, right. you know, this aside, we're young enough that we can have a voice. What happens if we are old and infirm? No one's going to get old. They're going to kill you before you that's get old. It. And, and that's what they're banking on is that they'll outlast us. Um, you know, I'm I'm 73 this summer. They are banking on outlasting us. I'm going to live to be 100 just so that I can piss them off for another 70 or 30, uh, 30 years. I'm going to work on that because fact is, is I don't want to go quietly. No. And Dr. Uh, sorry, Mr. Griffin's in his nineties. 92 this year. Isn't yeah. that wonderful? My mother is in her early eighties and she's just decorated her entire house. Mm-hmm. And uh, she laid pat- a patio a couple of years ago and she's in her eighties. And she told me a couple of weeks ago, this is so funny. She's in a retirement village in Australia. I call it the camp. And she told me that they'd gone visiting someone. I went, do they let you out the camp? She says, oh yeah, we just <laughs> But anyway, the, the camp guard, the top honcho camp guard had gone on, holiday vacation for two weeks so all of these other old duffers had hired these mobility scooters for a joke and they'd got flags and colored shirts and they'd been riding through this retirement village at top speed and the big main hall where they have tea dancers someone opened the door and they decided to drive in there and one of them took the corner too sharp took the plaster (laughs) out the wall rolled the mobility scooter so they all got so then they got, because they're all, you know, ex-plasterers and builders, they fixed it all. But when the lady came back from her holidays, they all got called in in front of the governor. And my <laughs> mother was telling, all I had a vision with all of these old people speeding on these scooters with colourful shirts on through this retirement village. It's like Hell's Angels, but on, on you know, dinners. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven's angels, maybe. Yes. <laughs> but I said, I said, did anybody video that? She said they did. I said, please send me a copy. I said that I would pay to see. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we're not going to see old people soon. They're going to be put on soma drug with virtual reality, which is what they did in Brave New World, and mm-hmm. they all went off to La La Land and. Uh, we, we've got to, uh, you know, the best way to beat these people is to survive. That's right. And you can't fight them with what they are bringing in. What you have to bring in is what the Lord intended. That's right. And the other way. I That's mean, it's, exactly right. I, I laugh when they go, we're going to slaughter all the chickens. What, you're going to find everyone, are you? You're going to go under people's, <laughs> it, you know, that's like a needle in a haystack, isn't it? We're going to find every chicken. No egg will be left unturned. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, what a world we're living in. Well, Kate, um, what's going on right now in the UK with this new idea? Now, they're they're talking already about the next round of pandemic, okay? They're, ta- they're talking about uh, what potentially could come uh, that would be the second round of pandemics. How, how are uh, people in the UK getting ready for this? Because I know you're getting the same kind of an awakening in the UK that we're getting in the United States. Do you think they're actually going to be able to uh, stop the nonsense and, and most people just say, I'm not going to listen to this crap anymore? Well, I think that they're starting it with it with the the avian flu. Someone's died of it, um, you know. And, and I and even that, I wonder what they're going to resurrect Donald Rumsfeld and his Tammy flu, or is he still <laughs> living in the Cayman Islands? You know, sunning himself, putting on his coconut oil. Um, Actually, he he died about two years ago. Yeah, and good. I don't know if I ever told you the story. He lived in my district when I was a county commissioner. And I ended up having a two-hour meeting with him one morning where he told me about uh, that the Bilderbergers weren't really such a bad bunch of guys after all. I mean, Himmler was lovely as well and Goebbels. (laughs) Exactly. Well, they're they're talking about uh, avian flu. They're talking about Mars, uh, a a Middle Eastern respiratory virus. But, you know, even the layman in the street now is going, I don't believe all that germ theory. It's terrain theory. I don't believe that. What they are doing here is the 15-minute cities. And I was in the supermarket yesterday, and they they all know me where I live. And, I, and of course, I've got that smug look on my face now because, of course, I'm like, yeah, hey, I told you. Um And there was a young guy who's at university, but he's working in, in the supermarket and he was saying, you know, oh, they've been, we're, we're learning about 15 minute cities. He said, they're, they're a good thing. I said, are they? And he said, well, a couple of them aren't, but the majority of them are good. I said, why do you think a couple of them would be not good? He said, yeah, I wouldn't want to live in those ones. They're quite strict. It's not good. I said, why would they make those bad and the rest good? He went, I don't know. And I said, because they're going to then spread the bad so that one by one, they'll all become bad. He went, oh, they wouldn't do that. I said, no, they would, and they are. Mm-hmm. I said, so what are you going to do about it? He went, we can't really do anything, can we? I said, well, that'll be the end of you then. I said, you can, you die can say yourself. no. Yeah, I'll be at the front with a flag. So you see, we've got lots of dem- demos now uh, against the 15-minute cities. Then you've got, which is interesting, We've got the Anglo-Indian Alliance and we've got all people in government who are Indian and they we've got Priti Patel uh, and she's giving visas out, but she's not giving them out to anybody. She's giving them out to the Hindu RS, which is where the swastika comes from, mm-hmm. is that type of Hindu. They're not your you. They're not the regular <laughs> Hindus. And they they have a motto. I think it's don't kill, do genocide. And Modi stated he was part of that Hindu group, the prime minister. Now, this uh, um, this Anglo-Indian alliance, India, 50% of the global market of drugs comes from India. 50%. I didn't know you get A lot of the chemicals go into India from China. 75% of those factories that make the drugs 
do not come up to the World Health Organization standards. They are killing their own people. They are making the water toxic. They're killing the animals with these toxic factories, making the drugs. India has stated that within the next couple of years, they're going to be doubling their global market. Well, that will mean 100% then. In 2014, the Tory government in the UK got to let go our Patient Safety Standards Agency. So nobody's checking for contaminated drugs. There was a contaminated paracetamol came out of India and it was located at Atlantis Pharmaceuticals in Georgia and it killed children. And it's killed children down in Australia. And we've got two Atlantis pharmaceuticals. So a third of the paracetamol on the global market is contaminated and no one's removing it. Mm. So India, Indian caste system works very well. And it's been in place for the longest time. Mm -hmm. No one can speak about it. They'll have their homes entered. They'll be arrested. They'll have their children taken away from them. So they are bringing in the caste system into the UK. That's what you're seeing. Rishi Sunak's father-in-law, I think, is heavily invested in the Chinese surveillance system. So this is what they're doing. This is the whole thing to bring in that uh, caste system here. And you're seeing all our main power. Nobody voted Rishi Sunak in. And what and we've got Sadiq Khan in London. I mean, we've got uh Ramadan and everything else, and we're and, and then we've got this whole um, you know, our midwives are being trained that uh um you might see birth givers pe- persons having babies with male genitalia. And this is what they're training them. I thought, I would love to see a baby's head come out at the end of a penis. It ain't happening. <laughs> and, uh, I can tell you what, that would be a very painful experience. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I've done it. I had my last baby upstairs in the bedroom on the picnic mat. Uh, before anybody got there, I was standing with a head out when the midwife arrived, the mad wife, as we now call them. But you see, this is what's happening. And uh, so we've got these 15-minute cities. Uh, yesterday, there was a demonstration. There's a wonderful young man that I'm sure he would love to come on your show. He's at university and he's a young man called James Harvey and he set up a group called Students Against Tyranny. I will give you his email and you will like him so much. This young man is fantastic. He went into a children's candy shop, a children's candy shop where they were selling penises made of candy and he removed them all from the shelves he got chased he got arrested he was went to a university and organized a demonstration yesterday because a phd student they wouldn't mark his phd after five years because he spoke out against transgender wow so he went he organized a demonstration and when he arrived antifa those idiots mm-hmm. all arrived and all the pink haired LGBTQ pink hair and piercings upon piercings and goodness knows what else, uh, you know, with all their pronouns. Incidentally, I'm sure your viewers know this, you know, the um, demons use pronouns, demons, because mm-hmm. we're told to call ourselves I in scripture. But if you look, I think it is in... Um, Mark uh, 6, they, they they called themselves legion because we are many. They don't say I, demons don't. Very interesting. But um, they all turned up with all their pronouns and their pink hair and their piercings, and uh, they were all calling them Nazis. 
So the pink head piercing mob were calling James Harvey, who's the most beautiful, hot, short, tidy hair, educated, articulate young man. They're calling him a Nazi for sticking up for another student who's being denied having his five years worth of work marked. And the, ridiculous. Police, the police were all there because we know that the police, I mean, we had LGBTQ Pride Day here and our council tax pays the police. They were all out with their cars even decked out in the colours of the rainbow. Some some uh, LGBTQ woman, bloke, whatever they are, said the other day <laughs> to me um, that I'd taken their colours because it was pink and pale pink and pale blue. And I said, they're not your colours. The electromagnetic colour spectrum is what the Lord gives us. You don't own any of those colours. They're not identified as you. They're not your colours. They belong to the Lord. And I'll use any of them. I like all of them. And I'll use them in any combo. I mean, they're just, these people are deluded. It actually, are. what happened, What happened to mental illness? Mm -hmm. That's taken exactly. a side burner as well. Well, I can tell you what, it, there's no shortage of it from what I can tell. Looks like there's a, a whole society that are actually not only condoning it, but they're kind of uh, laying claim to it. They are. We're seeing that now. You know, we're seeing all the schools mm. uh, wanting to, children don't know what they are. Well, that's because they're ramming it down their throats. Mm -hmm. my, my children never spoke about my children, the boys just wanted to like, it didn't even matter if you said they couldn't make guns or swords. They made them out of Lego, pieces of cardboard. Mm -hmm. uh, I never intervened when my children were young unless there was blood. I just left them to it. And yeah. um, and often you didn't know when there was blood because you figured, well, they're going to sort it out. Yeah, we uh, had hierarchy. I had four. I left them to it. You have to have hierarchy. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they, they weren't interested in that. We went to the beach once with about 27 kids. They dug the mother of all holes. They all put their swimming goggles on. They made two teams either side of the holes, the hole. And they, they had the little ones making sand balls and running to the sea and getting the water. And they pelted one another. And um, I remember other parents thinking this was terrible. And we were in hysterics. We thought this was great fun. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, but no, you know, this is, it's just wokeism on steroids, mm -hmm. but they're very violent. They're violent. I was looking at some mm -hmm. footage in Australia, I believe it was where this, you know, pink haired mob attacked some real women and beat them up. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the part about it. So bizarre is they call anybody that's normal, a fascist. And, <laughs> you, you know, now, I go Tell out there in my heels. I, I wear a Barbie doll outfit just to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, a fascist and a communist. Do you know the difference between a fascist and a communist? A fascist is a national socialist, and a communist is an international socialist. They're both uh, two sides of the same coin. I know, I but mean, these uh, they're just... Yeah. They've just got to belong to something because yeah. th that's what it, it I it's all uh, like I you know I don't really I go on the forest, I go to the beach, I have a very small group of friends. I don't really um 
you know, I, I, I still see the odd person wearing a mask in the supermarket with a trolley full of garbage food. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell one person every day, um, my friend says, uh, she said, she said, go on, make someone's day ruin it. <laughs> I don't. I tell someone every, every day I'll speak the truth because that's what we're told to do. That's right. That's absolutely right. Well, Kate, I hate to say it, we're out of time again. Uh, you, you always make it so much on. fun. Well, uh, do me a favor. Do send me the... Uh, uh, Donna Looney and James yes. Harvey. I will do that as soon as we get off, off here. And I will see you at the Red Pill Expo. I'll absolutely. be wearing a dress. I'll be wearing high heels. Uh, my pronouns are, are woman, <laughs> biological... <laughs> Loves blokes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sounds good. You sound yeah. like a normal human being. Uh, and that's what we have a lot of at the Red Pill Expo. So you'll love it. You'll have a great time. Say Fantastic. hello to my my very good friend, Ed Griffin, when you're on with him on Wednesday. Oh, I will. He got snowed in last week. He couldn't Isn't come on so? the show. In He's... Northern California, no less. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be would that be the snow that 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 burns yeah. black? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, listen. You take care, and thank you so much for being our guest. And oh, you're very welcome I, anytime. I will. Um, I will be very much uh, be in touch with you on uh, future stuff too. So thank Lovely. you again. From the lakes of Minnesota To the hills of Tennessee Across the plains of Texas Oh, from sea to shining sea From Detroit down to Houston New York to L.A. Where there's pride in every American heart And it's time we stand and say Cause there ain't no doubt